Welcome to another episode of Italia Mia, brought to you by the Grand Lodge of New York, Sons and Daughters of Italy in America. I'm your host, Luisa, and I'm very pleased to welcome back to Italia Mia, Mr. Chris Monti, comedian and a man for all seasons. And Chris, I understand you just got back from another gig. Yes, thanks again for having me, and I've been, I've been traveling since we last spoke. I've been, like I said, I was in uh, Florida, I was in Michigan, I've been in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut. Wow. Actually leaving, you know, going to be, actually as this show is airing, I'm just coming home from Tampa Bay. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so it's been crazy. Uh, the travel, I, I got to the airport, uh, I had a two-day spell of a night in Michigan, and then I was going to have the next day a luncheon show in in, um, in Spring Lake, New Jersey. Yeah. And an evening show in Huntington, Long Island. Uh-huh. And I get to the airport. I had a 6.28 a.m. flight from Michigan, which had to go from Michigan to Chicago, which is only about a half an hour. Right. And switch planes and fly back to Newark, because that's the only way you can, you can travel. Uh-huh. in Western Michigan. So I get to the airport at 6.28. There's nobody there. <laughs> oh, no. Nobody's at United. That's the airline. And nobody, and I asked the security guard, I said, uh, where's the, uh, the gate agent? Because apparently I can't check in on the kiosk. And they said, well, they usually come in an hour before the first flight. And I said, well, it's 5.30 in the morning and my ticket says 6.28. And they said, no, that flight's canceled. We haven't had that flight all summer. Uh-huh. I said, oh, I don't know what's going on now. <laughs> they didn't tell me that the gate was changing. They didn't tell me that the flight was changing, nothing. So I'm thinking, now I don't have a flight. Uh-huh. Anyway, long story short, the guy comes in. He says, oh, they moved you to the 7.30 flight. Now, I was supposed to land at uh, around 10.30 a.m. originally. Now, I'm going to land at 11.30 a.m., which is fine, because now I get in my car in Newark. I drive to my show about an hour away in Spring Lake, and then I drive back. I do the interview oh. with you for this wonderful show, and then, boom, I head to Long Island. But we get delayed in the air. We get delayed on the, on the ground, and I wind up getting back about 12.40 p.m. Ooh, ouch. With an hour drive, mind you from Newark to Spring Lake, and they still have to change into my suit. <laughs> so now I get into my suit, I get into my car, and I'm on my way, but there's no way of getting to that show until 2 o'clock. Uh-huh. I call the, uh, the man running the show, and I said, listen, let the band play another half hour, because I will not be there until 2. He said, don't worry about it, the catering hall is running behind 2 o'clock is fine. So, long story short, which is, I guess, too late for that. I get back to the show, and then I get from the show, and I'm driving all the way back, but now there's no way I can stop and speak with you because I'm running so late, and the traffic from New Jersey to Long Island, you know, is... Oh, yes, and yes. Boom, I'm all the way out to Long Island, so I had to go straight to the second show. Oh, you're more, you're more than forgiven, actually. I really... I don't know how you guys do it, actually. Uh, where you're concerned, you have so many gigs all over the country... I don't know how you keep up with it all. I try not to dull, like, you know, right, you know what it is, Louisa, we've been in a pandemic. We, I was on unemployment, I wasn't working, and now I'm working again, and I'm so happy, and I'm so thankful to be working again. Right. But, so if a gig, if a show comes in, you know, I look at, I look at uh, the dates, and somebody will call my agent and say, oh, we have a show for you in Michigan, it's a one-nighter. It was a one-nighter. You fly in and you fly out the next day, fine. And then they said, oh, wait, can you squeeze in an afternoon show the following day? You know, Normally, it, that wouldn't work, but now it just becomes like if there's a delay, you know, you kind of you, you get messed up. So and now going forward, I won't 
perform on a, on a show mm-hmm. so early in the day if I have to fly in that morning because if God forbid you get delayed, then you're going to be, you know, you don't want to not show up for the show, you know? No, that would not be good. And now well, this time of year, you got hurricane season, you got, you got, you know, the weather's going to change, and that's that was part of the delay because out in the Midwest there was weather, there were storms, mm-hmm. and they were waiting to take off, and they were waiting to land. Wow. And so that's what kind of delayed us. The true life of a working comedian. It's not it, easy, it, folks. It is fun, but it's hectic sometimes. I, I do prefer being in my car because I feel like I'm in control of my destination. Right. Um, but, it, you know, you can't always drive. I don't want to drive 20 hours to Florida. I don't want to drive 12 hours to, to Michigan. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was 25 years old, 30 years old, no problem. Now I'm in my late 40s. I don't want to do that long drive. You're a youngster. Right, you are. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this: Um, How do you find the audiences now? The audiences have been fantastic in every capacity. uh, Whether I'm doing a a straight comedy show or whether I'm doing like the event I did in Michigan was a seminar, and they had a long day at the seminar, and then it was for the uh, it was for um, uh, commercial realtors. It was like a convention and a seminar, so they had people from all over the state of Michigan come to this one venue, and they spent and they had all these speakers and all this. So at the end of the event, they wanted to have comedy. So that wasn't a normal normal comedy show for someone like me. I had to go on. And they weren't there for comedy. They were there for something else. But even with that, uh, I find that everywhere I go right now, people are just so happy to get back to normal. Yeah, that's for sure. And I hope it lasts. That's the thing. Well, it's like everything else. You know, it'll last for a while. I hope it lasts that we get back to normal. Yeah. As far as, you know, some audiences are going to be good, some aren't going to be so good. And it was like, I always compare it right now to like, say, like after when 9-11 happened. Yeah. When when 9-11 happened afterwards, everybody had everybody's back. Everybody in this country, hey, whatever state you were from. Yeah. Don't worry, I got you. Don't worry, I'm, you know, I'm here to help you. I went out to the middle of uh, Pennsylvania, where normally, you know, an Italian-American from New York City would open my mouth with my accent and they were all kind of uh, hillbilly-ish and they did derogatory <laughs> things to me uh-huh. sometimes I was in a rough place yeah. right after 9-11 I went there as soon as I said I was from New York they, they gave me standing ovation for no reason <laughs> is that right oh of that. Oh, yeah of you course know? but yeah. now if I go back they'll sit there with their arms folded and say make me laugh city boy yeah oh a challenge huh well yeah. you well, you spoke to a bunch of realtors you said yeah they were commercial realtors now, how do how would you? Can I put you on the spot? Can I ask you? How do you open up when you're talking before a bunch of uh, realtors? I'll tell you how I opened up because this is what they did. They they was these people were in this room. It was like a convention. It was like a. It was at a very nice hotel. It was at a Hilton hotel, which they put me up at the Hilton there, which was wonderful. It was a brand new hotel, and the room was the suite, and this room came. Ah. Oh, and I was, uh-huh. said I was only there for twenty hours, you know, because I would like to stay a day and. And yeah. Enjoy the hotel, but I went into this room where they had a convention. Now these people had been there since seven in the morning. Ooh. They started with a seven in the morning breakfast and listened to peace speakers up until one o'clock. Then had a lunch break. Then came back after lunch and were there until eight o'clock at night. That's grueling. That's with, with dinner included. They had their dinner. Then a lot of them left. So there was like two hundred people when I got in there. There was like sixty people left. Oh. And then they had, before I went on, of all things, they had an improv group to a show for about 45 minutes. Yeah. And then I went on for 45 minutes. So I was the last thing of the day. When I got on stage, there were maybe 50 people left in the room, God bless them. <laughs> I got on stage and my opening line was, I feel like I'm in the 23rd hour of the Jerry Lewis Marathon. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the guys are the last, you know, the, the 6 a.m. people that stayed up all night. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then I went on from there, and I, and I spoke to them and did some improvisational crowd work, and I did some of my act, and, and they were actually a lot of fun. Yeah. Who, uh, who were there that they, were, they needed the comic relief. What are some of the other audiences that you performed before? You know, like organizations, I know that... Uh, I've, done, I've done so many different uh, Catholic ones. I've done uh, different ones for the Sons and Daughters of Italy. I've done, you know, like at your lodge, and I've yeah. done some of those around the country. I do, uh, especially now coming in, uh, in October because of Italian-American Heritage Month, and I'll do a lot of uh, Italian-American clubs that are private clubs in certain parts of New Jersey yeah. and certain parts of New York. I've done uh, the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick for the Catholic organization in the mm-hmm. month of March. I've done, I've done uh, audiences. I've, I've done shows in synagogues and temples. Have you? And I say, well, I'm not a Jewish comic. And they say, we don't care. We, you know, we're having a mixed show of Jewish comic and, and, and other non-Jewish comics. And so I performed in front of multi-religions. I performed um, in front of African-American audiences. I remember years ago, I, I a friend of mine, uh, Rodney Laney, God bless him, he's still around, comedian, uh, lives in Pennsylvania. He used to run a room in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And he calls me and says, I want you to come and do my, my show. I do it at this bar in New Jersey. It was a Wednesday night. And I said, what time is the show? And he said, the show's at 9 o'clock. So I get there at 8.30, and I'm the only one there at the bar, me and the bartender. And I said to the bartender, <laughs> I thought there was a show tonight. And he says, there is, but they start late. So about 9.30, my friend Rodney comes in. I said, he said the show starts at 9. And he says, oh, I'm black. We don't start at 9. When I say 9, that means 10. You sure? You sure he wasn't a, He's not Italian. month, of course, is Italian Culture and Heritage Month, okay. Are there certain things that come to your mind? Well, let's say you're going to be talking to a group of Italians again about their heritage and so forth. How would you approach that? Well, I'll always, um, I'll always probably refer to um, my, my grandparents and stories, funny stories and stories, uh, cultural stories, stories that uh, I'll tell stories about the Italian-American about how like we all grew up in the same house with the plastic slip covers over the, over the, yeah, over the, yeah. Over the couch and my, my mother had a white cloth tablecloth with a clear plastic tablecloth over that <laughs> like everything was covered and the, the, the plastic runner going 
reason, we, we were always downstairs in the big kitchen. Yeah, two kitchens. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, we cooked and, and cleaned down there. Uh, we ate down there. And um, yeah. the big tree that was always wrapped in the wintertime. Yes. Right outside. Isn't it? My Madonna. <laughs> so every, every, every household had a, uh, a picture of the Pope or the Lance. My grandmother had a picture of the Lance Supper. Oh, my. Over the dining room table? In the dining room table. Yes, of course. You know, like I always say, there's, a picture of, there's always a picture of the Lance Supper and then a picture somewhere of Frank Sinatra. <laughs> The icon. Oh, yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't it really, isn't it something, though? You talk to different Italians, and they pretty much give you the same. Well, actually, with Southern Italians, they will tell you the same thing. You know, the plastic on the table for it. Whether it's in New York or Philadelphia or New Jersey. Yeah. I, I find we all grew up in the same house. Yeah, it's amazing. When we, I go down south in the country, in America, different story. Like, I find that the culture, a lot of the culture is, is lost sometimes. Not on all, but a lot of certain, like if I'm in, not Florida, because there's a lot of us right. northerners that live there, but when I'm in, if I meet native uh, North and South Carolinians or I'm in Texas and there's, there's, there's Italian-Americans there that were native to Texas, they don't have the same culture that we, they didn't keep, keep it for some reason. It, it changed just to a pure American Southern culture. Uh-huh, yeah. Not as strong as it is in the Northeast. Or even in California, I'd say. But you know what I found is a lot of Italian Americans, and I did not know this uh, until I was performing there. Reno, Nevada. Oh, uh huh. And I had performed in Reno, Nevada at, at, a, at a hotel many, many years, and I would go there, and there was always big groups of Italian American conventions going on, and I didn't realize how many Italian Americans were in Reno. They have a very big culture, and also I found in Utica, New York, which is all the way up, you know. Yeah. Northwestern New York. Right. I was in Northwestern New York, and I found up there a big, big Italian American culture, which was which was uh, surprising and and comforting when I was working up there for three or four days. Yeah, there was a couple of good Italian restaurants I could eat at. Uh huh. So we're talking about. I think we talked about uh, possibly discussing food. <laughs> uh, food is is my life. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Uh, Yes. Everything revolves around the meal. Yeah. You know, you discuss your day around the meal, you discuss your plans around the meal, you enjoy company and family around the meal, the holidays are about the meal. It's with Italians, it's, it's always about the food. I personally uh, do the cooking in my home. My wife, uh, I collect recipes, my wife collects takeout menus. Lucky uh, women. What lucky okay. women. Yeah. I like think the women too. The women too. But my but the men in my family cook and that was um that was one thing I was glad that I, I grew up with with a grandfather and a father that I knew. Yeah, that. you were fortunate. Uh, so I do the cooking from you know, from breakfast, lunch and yeah. dinner. I, I prepare my wife's a teacher, I prepare her lunch the night before. Uh-huh. Wow. Let me ask you this. I don't know if it's true in your family, but it was in mine. When you're sitting around the dinner table, this is before you were married, okay, you were at home. Uh, were you able to talk? Were you able to discuss the day's events and so forth? Because in my household, you were not allowed to talk. 
It was manja, manja, uh, non parla. You know, um, the adults spoke, but when I was growing up, in, if it was my household, yeah. with, you know, my, my father would come home for dinner and my mother had dinner prepared and we'd come in from, you know, we'd get home from school and, and we ate, actually ate the earliest on our block uh, because my father worked for uh, Pan Am, Pan Am uh, yeah. the airline. Oh. So by the time five o'clock came, my father was starving for dinner because he had had his lunch at ten thirty in the morning. Oh yeah, yeah. All my friends ate at six or six thirty. Uh-huh. So we'd be out playing in the street with the kids, and by five o'clock, my mother would call us in and say, "Come on, we gotta get ready, wash up for supper because we eat between five and five thirty. But in my household, we we were able to talk. You know, um, I'm sure my parents dictated the conversation, but we were able to talk. When we were at my grandparents' house or a relative's house and it was all the adults sitting around the table, if we weren't at a kid's table and we were sitting at the big people's table, yes, we only talked to when we were spoken to. <laughs> That's true. So you had a kid's table? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. We did because we had a big, I have a big family. I have, um, on one side of my family, I have about 17 cousins. On the other side, oh. Cousins. And when we would go to my grandmother's house, this is my father's mother because my mother's mother had passed when she was a child. So when we would go and my father's parents lived a few blocks away from us, uh-huh. which was great for me when I was able to ride my bike, I would always ride at the grandma's house too because she always had something baking in the oven or something, you know, cooking. So, but I would, I would, we would go to my grandparents' house every Sunday, you know, for Sunday meal, you know, tomato sauce, meatballs, granola's pasta. And uh, we would have three or four courses and then fruit and then dessert. And then the old timers would play cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we would go there, yeah, we would, uh, we would, we would have to have a kid's table because there was so many, you know, so many people and they had a, they didn't have a really big house. Yeah. So, uh, sometimes, uh, we would have to set up an extra folding table for the kids. Right, right. Were you one of the children that maybe, um, this is also, I'm falling back on my memories of childhood. Did you perform for your relatives after a meal? I mean, I, I did when I was about I thought so. Seven, I started to. I always wanted to tell jokes and, and, and do comedy, so I would I would steal monologues of, of you know Red Skelton or or Jackie Gleason lines yeah. or something I saw on television, and and would would entertain. Now it became a thing where the adults began to like it and they would ask for me to entertain. But then it became such a thing where I was preparing shows every Sunday or every Saturday where we were going to whatever relative's house. My parents would say, "Now when we go over so and so's house." Just go play with your cousins. Don't put on any shows. <laughs> because it became that I was the center of attention, and everybody was like, "No, he's so good. He's so funny. Let him, let him do his his show." You know. Yeah. And my parents said, "Oh boy, now, now, you know." My father didn't want me to go into show business because I kept saying as a kid, "I want to be in show business. I want to be an actor. I want to be a comedian." And my father would say, "No." You know, I can't be the parent driving you around to auditions because I have a job. Your mother has to watch your brother and sister and you, and she can't take you. So get a job, you know, get an education, then get a good job. That's mm-hmm. what he used to say. Yeah. So bums, he used to say. <laughs> Did you charge for your entertainment by any chance? I didn't charge. I should have. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you could have. Because they scolded me to not go into show business. And then when I, when I was in my mid-20s and I began my career, by the time I got to my mid-30s, I was hanging out with and working with some prominent people like John Rivers and Danny Aiello, famous Italian-American. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Up until he passed away. Uh, 
characters who yeah. I was performing. And so I, I would get my parents tickets to these shows and I would bring them backstage and introduce them and all of a sudden I would say to them, oh, now it's okay, I'm in show business. But mm-hmm. when I was a kid, you didn't want it. And they said, no, we just wanted to make sure you'd be successful and you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you know, fall yeah. hard times because you hear so many stories in this business where guys go broke, guys get into drugs, guys get into this and that. And that's mm-hmm. what they were worried about. Do you think um, with the uh, old world Italians, they kind of, they did not respect the life of a comedian or actually, you know, what, actually they should have been lauded for their, their talent, but, you know. Yeah, I think a lot of, I think a lot of um, old world um, parents are like that, not, not just Italian, but I think a lot of Europeans, um, they would work so hard, you know, like my grandfather, if he was alive when I started my career, because he, my grandfather passed away when I was about 20 years old, and I started doing stand-up comedy about 25. Yeah. And I think if he was alive, my grandmother enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but my grandfather, I think he might have said, you know, get a real job. And what, what? He was, he was a hard, he was a man who was a plumber, and then when he would come home from plumbing on the weekends, he had a frozen custard truck. Wow, what an entrepreneur. Custard, and mm-hmm. he'd go out into the streets in Queens and Jackson Heights where he lived, and also park later on, and he would drive around his custard truck to make extra money. Yeah, remarkable work ethic, don't you think? Unbelievable. Yeah. All of the old world people. Uh, yeah. My wife is, you know, to, to shift to another culture, but my wife's family is all German descent. My wife's family comes from Germany. And the same thing with her parents and her grandparents. You know, they're, they're just a work ethic of the of the Europeans who came to this country. You yeah. know, they knew they had to work hard to build something and make it better for their children. But, you know, they instilled that. Now, I'm, I'm just as hard a worker. I'm just working in show business, which doesn't make it look hard because I'm only working 45 minutes a night. But when you consider all the travel I do and getting somewhere to be somewhere and to get on stage and then have the mind capacity to say, oh, I just traveled six hours by car and now I have to clear my head and go perform. Right. You know, a lot of times my father now and my father-in-law, they will recognize that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you drive three hours and then get on stage. Yeah, it's like, you know, turning on a switch and turning it off. It's amazing. Right. And yeah. now I'm, you know, I'm getting older. So now I, you know, if there's a hotel, I should never take hotels. I would drive. If it was yeah. within three, four hours, I would want to sleep in my own bed. So I would drive and I would do the show and drive back. But now, not only am I older, but I have a wife and a toddler at home. I yeah. And who can blame you? Oh, you know, and I'm thinking, here you are, saying, here you really are relatively very young, I would say. Um, I'm not so young anymore. Well, that's your, that's your assessment, okay? Not mine. <laughs> not mine. Okay. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you're thinking about when you get older. Do you think that comedians, at a certain point in their lives, they should know enough to quit? Is there such a thing? Absolutely, yeah, he was hilarious. And Sal Richards passed away last year. Yeah. Until he was, uh, got sick, he was performing. I still would see him out on the road. Yes. So, and he had, you know, Sal had a good career. Sal might have not been world famous, not maybe not as big as Pat Cooper or Lou Bacala, but he was, but he was pretty close to them, and he, and he made a good living. Yeah. Uh, I know about his, you know, personal wealth from conversations. 
Yeah. Um, so I figure like, I look at it like this. If I don't have to work, but I want to work here and there because I love it and I'm, I can still do it and I'm still putting on a good show, then I'm going to be working. Okay. Do you, do you see yourself doing anything else? No. No. Okay. Other than acting, if I was able to get on a TV show or a film, which I've done before, uh, which I would do again, but even with that, I would still be doing stand-up yeah. uh, on the side. So I can't really see myself doing anything else, I don't think. Right. Another chapter of my life starts down the road that I haven't seen yet. But mm-hmm. um, the only other thing I could think of doing is if I, if I was a little bit older, and this is probably worse than what I'm doing now, but I always said to my wife, if I, if I got to a certain age and I'm quite successful, maybe I would open up my own place, my mm-hmm. own nightclub, and I would, I would combine uh, comedy, jazz, and Italian fare all together. I would mm-hmm. have a... You just reminded me of the movie, you know, La La Land. Did you happen oh, to see it? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he wanted to. Um, I, I said, oh, that wouldn't that be fantastic? I wouldn't have a seven night a week uh, jazz club, but I would. I love jazz music, and I actually met some Italian American jazz artists uh, who um, I actually have to put you in touch with. Uh, I don't know if you know Vanessa, but she, she's, uh, she should, you should have her on your show. I'll, I'll put you in touch with her. Oh, that would be great. Oh, wonderful, yeah. And she sings in Italian, she sings in American, she sings, you know, she's wonderful. She does, she can do standards of America, she does standards of, of Italia, and she's just fantastic. I work with her a few times at a few different venues. And, uh, I'd love to have her on, on Italia Mia. Okay. October because she's such a, you know, Italian-American culture. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Because that's the toughest part. As I get older, uh, I started a family late, so now when I go out on the road, I miss my daughter. You know. Yeah, of course. My wife when I'm not home, but you know that's this is the life we chose, as they said. In the yeah. Godfather. Yeah. And of course, um, the woman that you live with is very important that she support you, and I know she does. And she does, and it's tough. And I always say, I don't know if I told you this story, but I always say it's, it's I say it's tough on my wife for my career because you know when. She's off. She's a school teacher. Yeah. And when she's off from school, it's the weekend. And where am I? I'm out on the road usually doing shows. Oh, yeah, that's tough. When, when she comes home from work, like like today, we're recording this interview right now. She just got home from work a little while ago, but I'm actually going out tonight to perform a show. So I'll be home, and when I finish this interview with you, I'll be getting ready to go out and do a show. So now the evening, she's not with me again. And then I always say, the top, it's not always easy being married to a school teacher. The hardest part for me, being married to my wife, being a school teacher, is the summer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. How, how often has she seen you perform? Quite often. She'll always ask to come to a show. Like, I'll say, oh, I'm working. You know, she'll say, where are you working this weekend? She's yeah. the only one that doesn't know my schedule. Mm-hmm. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my father, they look at my website, they see my schedule, they know exactly where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. My wife, my, my, my schedule book is sitting on my desk in our house, and I always say, where are you working this weekend? I say, why don't you look in the book? Always ask me this. <laughs> it's easier not to. She'll look and say, oh, I see you're in, um, you know, let's 
it's a uh, governor's comedy club in Long Island, or you're working in the Borgata next week in Atlantic City. Oh, I want to come, I want to come. And she'll always like plan around certain shows that she yeah, wants to go to. Yeah. She knows the venue is nice, the food is good, and the show is going to be good. Well, you mentioned the last time we spoke about the comedy club in Bohemia. Is yes, that McGuire's Comedy Club, which yeah. is one of my governor's comedy clubs. Is that coming up soon? I don't have a date yet, but as a matter of fact, as we record this interview, I know this is a Sunday show. Uh, as we record this interview, I'm going to be working for governors tonight uh, oh. at a special benefit, and I'm going to speak to the bookers over there and get my dates, so I will keep you posted on uh, my Long Island appearances so you can come see me again. Oh, please do. Please do. Well, remember last time we said that we would talk about food and uh, your heritage is Bari, your Umbarese, and Napoli. What a combination, Mamma mia, that's great. Yeah. That's great food. <laughs> so let's let's talk about some of the foods that you grew up with. I'd like to compare it to the foods of Lucania, also known as Basilicata. Okay, so just name some of the foods that you know that are most. That stand out in your mind. That we would have every first of all, growing up in my household, and his, and, and before we get to the foods, I want to ask you a question on the same topic. This is the this is every Sunday we'd wake up to the smell of my mother and father together making a big pot of tomato sauce. Right. I'm glad you said sauce, not gravy. Good and, for you. That's the, that's the question I'm going to ask. <laughs> Right. His basil, his right. parsley, his oregano, everything he needed, uh, fresh garlic and everything. And they'd always, we'd always wake up to the smell of that. And yeah. we'd cook all day and we'd have an early uh, Sunday dinner. Right. But it is the Civil War among Italian-Americans in yes. this country. Yes. Mm -hmm. Gravy or sauce. Right. And you can actually, I actually want to sell a shirt that said it's a gravy or sauce. Yeah. Because, and that's why I say this, and you know this, because it's Italian-American culture. My grandmother and grandfather who came here on my father's side, my grandmother from Napoli would call it gravy. Mm -hmm. And she was Italian-American, born in Italy, came here as a young girl, uh, grew up very, didn't, her first language was Italian because my great-grandparents who came here with her when she was a little girl and my father got to know them, but I didn't, they did not speak English at all. Uh, so my grandmother always spoke Italian and English she learned when she got to America, but Still called it gravy. So where did that come from? Do you know? I don't know. Because, well, in my house, it was called il ragu. My mother used to say il ragu. But when I had my radio show, I used to, I used to say to the, the listeners, what is it? Sauce or gravy? And it was divided. Some would say it's gravy because there's meat in it. Some would say it's sauce because it's only marinara. There's no meat in it. That's what my father's definition is. Yeah. My Yeah. Thing, it's, it's gravy. And then he said when he makes it just a uh, marinara, it's just with the herbs and just right. the, the pomodoro, and that's it. And there's no meat in it. And so... Um, I tend to agree with him. Yeah. So that's what he says, you know, and it's an American thing. And it, people get adamant about it. I mean, oh, they do. Oh, it's not, it's not gravy. It's not... I said, well, <laughs> it's, it's, it's whatever you call it in your household, you know? Yeah. Um, but that was, that was one of the... That was every Sunday. Um... Maybe a few Sundays skipped in the summer for barbecues and for beach. 
we, and I do that here. I carry that tradition. You know, my wife will say, "What do we have?" And I'll say, "Sunday." You know, we're having. And then the, the pasta will change, and maybe some days there'll be bajol instead of instead of sausage mm-hmm. or something like that. But we always have that. Uh, we grew up with that. We grew up with uh, um, my father. Now, did your mother or you or your grandmother make tripe? Because my grandmother. Would oh, my mother. Yes, my mother made tripe. Yeah, my father would make tripe. My grandmother made tripe. I was the only one that would eat it. My brother and sister couldn't stand it. Oh. Well, my mother wouldn't even eat it. And my father would make it on a day where he was just cooking like a Saturday afternoon if he was going to sit and watch TV in the afternoon because there was his day off from work and he would make like a, a tripe and he would say, you want, a, you want something? I would eat it with him, you know, and I, and I liked it. We ate that. We ate... Um, well, let me ask you this. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, did he make it with, uh, with tomato and potatoes? That's what yeah. my mom did. Yeah, my mom did that. Yep, that's how we would make it. And I loved it. I mean, it I was delicious. It was now, delicious. My father said he Well, that my father was my, one of my father's uh, best dishes that uh, he used to make was uh, when we always would ask him for, especially in the summer. Instead of a, a red sauce in, in on the Sundays in summer, my father would make a linguine and white clams. Oh, delicious! Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or or the pasta pescatore where we would put uh, clams, mussels, scallops, shrimp, and he would make a white wine sauce. Yeah, oh, delicious. It's a delicious sauce. like a Livornese. Absolutely, I grew up with that. <laughs> I grew up with that. Yeah, now I was told that that was a Sicilian that originated in Sicily. Uh-huh. Now I don't know. I don't know. their own liqueur? They, that we did not do. No? Okay. Cause we, kept, we always had uh, stuff on hand, uh, especially in the cooler months, the, the, the Thanksgivings and the Christmas holidays. My father was uh, a big fan uh, after dinner for a Zambuca with fresh coffee beans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He always had, because mm-hmm. uh, my father used to grind his own coffee, so he had fresh uh, Italian coffee beans, and he always used to put a couple in his Zambuca. And I remember my uncle sitting around, and either drinking a capari or a, or a, or a grappa. 
Amaretto di Sarono. Yeah. Have you t- attempted homemade pasta? I have attempted homemade pasta. My mother and father used to make homemade pasta. It wasn't um, an every week thing. It was probably, they would always do it for Easter. Right. They would do it for Thanksgiving. They would do it for Christmas. All the big holidays, they would make their homemade pasta. But they did it all this old fashioned. Like now you got the machine, right? Yes, I do. I do with the machine. They did it with the roller, their hands. Oh, yes. Yes. Now my sister, who doesn't really cook, but bought my cousin, uh, the pasta maker and all that. She says you have to get the machine because it's so much easier. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Of course, the other way is, um, I think that you release a lot of your aggressions. <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's meditation. Oh, okay. I love more. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiling everyone. So she'll say, why don't you bring Olivia, my daughter, why don't you bring her here so you can get the house ready and you can prepare your meal. Because I know you like that. And you know what? It's so peaceful for me. I pour a glass of wine. I put on a little music. And I and I prepare whatever meal I'm preparing. And, and um, it's just, it's, it's uh, meditation. Yeah, that's and true. You enjoy doing that. And it's being like my mother. To her, it was a job. I got to do this. I got to get this ready. This goes in this time. This goes. She, didn't, she didn't seem to enjoy it, although she was a good cook. You have two different cultures in your house. You are, you know, Italian heritage. Your wife is German. Are you going to introduce both cultures to your daughter? Well, that's great. Yes, yes. It's a form of pasta. Yeah. You know, and they have rollatin and rollatin. Yes. Yes. Yep, yep. That's right. Very good cook. Uh, came here from Germany as a young girl and very, very good cook for the 
Yes. <laughs> You're a lanceman. You really are. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they, get, they always get experiences with me with the Italian food, because every time I have them over here, nine out of ten times it'll be an Italian meal club, or if we're barbecuing, you know. Yeah. Even at the very least, there'll be Italian sausage. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> got to get but, it in um, there. <laughs> different stuff for them. Uh, it's like I said, fish dishes, pasta dishes, uh, fettuccine Alfredo I make with a grilled chicken or with shrimp. Or nice. I do all kinds of... Uh, yeah, who couldn't? That's unbelievable. And yeah. Then, and then I have a third culture, actually, because my brother is married to a Filipino girl. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, and the one thing I noticed, I compared the Filipinos and the Italians, why we get along so well, their family and our families, because their food is so important to them, too. And when you go to their uh, parties, my sister-in-law's family's parties and stuff, food is the main thing. And the opposite is, instead of pasta, it's rice. Uh -huh. You know, rice is with every meal, and with Italians, pasta is with every meal. Right. And they have uh, different noodle dishes, too, you know, because they, they have an influence of Spanish and Chinese culture, which made up the Filipino culture. So um, they have a lot of delicious foods. Pork is very, very um, big in their, in yeah. their foods, and a lot of pork and chicken dishes. So so we, I was introduced and learned a third culture. So when we have a... When we have a uh, party and it's all of us together you, you got a, you got a lot of a lot of different food to choose from it's like around the world well you are getting a good culinary education <laughs> absolutely and my sister was a fantastic cook and a fantastic baker i'm not a baker that's the one thing i don't i make banana bread when the bananas go bad and i'm good at that but i can't i can't really I never tackled baking yeah um, well I it's very precise i enjoy that as much i've tried to make cakes and pies and they haven't come out the way i wanted them and i just I just don't like it as much as I like cooking. Well, you, you know, know why? Meals. You're not allowed to make a mistake when you bake. It's, and, it, and my sister-in-law is just absolutely fantastic, from cookies to candy to cakes. Wonderful. Every, every child's birthday, whether it's her children or my daughter, she bakes the, I, the cake, and, and she makes cupcakes for everybody, and she colors them, and she could be a culinary chef, and she doesn't want to be, but that's mm -hmm. how good she is. You know, it's just she makes the cupcakes, and whatever the theme is, she decorates Oh, wonderful. Every character. Unbelievable. She brought it to my house. I said, did you buy this? No, 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 I made this. Oh, my God. I said, this must have took you all weekend to make. No, 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 it's easy for me. It's easy for us. She's so good at it. Oh, that's great. We'll, we'll be over, all of us. Not to have you over. <laughs> the audience said. <laughs> well, let's just go back to um, your itinerary. What's coming up for you? Um, I have a, a string of shows coming up. I'm trying to see. I'm kind of like all over the place with, I have afternoon performances, I have evening performances. Oh my. Uh, I, a lot of stuff that I'm doing right now, Louisa, is um, either a charity event, a fundraiser, or a uh -huh. private event. Um, I'm looking at my, I'll be working at the world famous uh, New York City Friars Club. Oh yes, of on course. The 5th of October, oh. which is a members only show, unfortunately, it's not open to the public, but I'm working with a great Italian-American, Stephen Maglio, uh, is a Sinatra, Frank Sinatra tribute singer. Oh, nice. So he doesn't impersonate Frank Sinatra, but he has a 12-piece orchestra, and he does all the songs of, of Frank Sinatra. Uh-huh, wonderful. And we're doing a big show at the 
Fries Club on October the 5th. I am working at something that's open to the public, but it's in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, White Crackers at uh, Pocono Palace Resort and White Crackers at Cold Haven Resort, which are in the Poconos. Those are yeah. uh, like couples resorts, you know, married couples and, and dating yeah. couples all come to those resorts out in the Poconos. I'm there on October 22nd and 23rd. How about Long Island? Yes, yes. Yeah, be sure to let us know. By the time I speak to you next, I will probably have dates for those. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, chrismontylife.com, as always, you can check out the schedule, see where I'm going to be. Or you can see me on Instagram, Chris Monty Live, or Facebook, just put in Chris Monty and see. I always post what's coming up. I thought the last time you said you were working possibly on an, another movie. or uh, I was uh, working on... Um, I was writing, my, uh, another comedian and I were writing a script for a show Yeah. Um, entitled uh, New Old Dads, and the theme is guys that started their families when they were approaching 50. <laughs> uh, <getting laughs> Interesting. And being uh, older now with toddlers, uh, we were going to work on a taping a comedy special based oh, on that special will be a dual special, so both of us will be on the special. Um, not on stage together, on stage solo, but we'll be doing our material about mar- being married later on and, and having children later on. So um, we're going to be working on that project this fall, and when I when I have a, a release date for it, um, I will let you know about that as well. Okay, that's great. I look forward to hearing about that. Well, Chris, I think we covered a lot of territory. We covered food, we covered travel, Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to come up with some more topics for down the line. Yeah. Well, uh, let's put your thinking cap on, but I know you're so busy uh, writing shows and what have you. So I will be thinking, and uh, hopefully you'll come back really soon, because Absolutely. it's great. It, it really enjoy is. Italian uh, Heritage and Culture Month. Yeah. Oh. I mean, I had Breast Cancer Awareness Month as well for the ladies out there who listen. Because oh, thank you for mentioning that. Breast Cancer Survivor, although we lost my mother to cancer of a different form years later. Oh, sorry. Uh, I had a... I had a Thank you for that. Thank you so much, Chris. And of course, as always, I wish you, I say, break a leg. <laughs> I love Absolutely. Every my, time uh, you get on stage. Said, uh, he was in a joint the other night that was so tough, the special was broken like a lamb. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> Chris, okay. Well, I've enjoyed it so much, and I know the listeners have. And again, I wish you safe, safe travels. And success. And don't. All right, don't hang up, okay? Okay, All right. I wish everyone tante belle cose. Don't forget a new episode every Sunday, and you know how to access it by now. This is Louisa wishing all of you tante belle cose e ciao.